and welcome to the Biz Design Enterprise Architecture Podcast. My name is Will Scott, and in these podcasts, we talk to the leaders in the area of enterprise architecture and how they and their teams drive and deliver value to their organizations in advancing strategy, optimizing operations, and reducing and managing risk. In these difficult times, we'll be specifically talking about enterprise architecture and the role it plays in helping organizations adapt and respond to the global COVID-19 pandemic. Today, I'll be interviewing Klaus Janssen, Enterprise Architect at Novozymes. We begin, as become the norm now, talking about how the COVID-19 pandemic affected Novozymes and what the EA team was asked to do. Then Klaus goes into more detail about what he sees as the new normal when it comes to us as employees in the workplace and as consumers. So let's go to that interview now. So Klaus, thanks for joining us here today. Really looking forward to this uh, conversation. Um, perhaps you begin by just introducing yourself, the company you work for, and what you and your team do for that company. All right. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, my name is uh, Klaus Jensen. Uh, I am uh, an enterprise architect with Novozymes, which is a biotech company located in Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, we focus on research and production of enzymes and uh, microbiological uh, organisms and pharmaceutical ingredients. And we are represented uh, uh, globally. Uh, we have production in China and we have uh, locations in India, Argentina, Brazil, and many other places around the world. About 6,000 employees uh, work on that. And uh, as I mentioned, I am an enterprise architect within Novozymes, which means I am part of the Novozymes uh, IT department, wherein we're a team of about five people working as enterprise architects. And our main tasks at this time is sort of uh, to, shall we say, tie the, the different aspects of IT together. Uh, meaning that we do try to model the, the as-is landscapes and build the to-be landscapes and try to find methods where we can improve uh, both the, the IT, the PMO organizations, and the lines of business and their work. That's great. Um, so it sounds like you know classic, well-trodden enterprise architecture work, and you're providing that function. So let's Let's talk about, you know, these dramatic events that affected everyone in the world, you know, over the last couple of months. So when the COVID-19 pandemic came about, when the social distancing regulations came in place, a lot of companies changed or had to change very quickly about how they go about doing their business. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what was asked of you and your team or, or more broadly IT um, in the face of uh, these dramatic changes we've experienced? Yeah, um, I think in a general sense, the, the experience that we had within Novozymes was that since we are a global company, we, we did have a lot of our, our digital efforts in place. So it was a question of prioritizing and scaling on part, uh, mainly on the part of our production facilities, obviously first and foremost, to ensure that we could continue production uh, during the pandemic and, and figuring out ways of working within that. Obviously, that didn't touch IT as much, um, but there was also uh, some scaling issues with regards to making sure that things like, you know, just VPN and uh, just the, the uh, online communications methods and things like that were, would scale into more people working from home. So operations had a lot of work to, uh, to do in that direction, but it's been 
from from the enterprise architecture view, it's been very painless. Actually, we've continued. Uh, I don't know this for a fact, but I think Novozymes has continued to produce exactly as they did beforehand, and everything seems to work still. So, would you say a, a retasking, a reprioritization, or maybe a greater emphasis on IT and how IT is viewed by the business that maybe this uh, this event brought about? I I think that there was first of all a prioritization on getting specific things up and running, so you were operational in the business, like I mentioned before. But it was also very clear, very rapidly, that a lot of the efforts that we had planned within the organization as a whole, uh, let's say our um, customer-directed digital efforts with either communication or different tools that we wanted to make available to our customers, suddenly they become became more, uh, uh, what's the word, more uh, to the f- forefront of everything because we suddenly had customers that we needed to contact in new ways as well, not just working together, but working with our customers. So all of those efforts took a very high priority fast with within the uh, project management development efforts that that then went forward. Um, So there was those two aspects. And then I also think that um, management, uh, not maybe not at first, but once those things were in place, uh, I got the sense that management realized that IT as a business enabler was a um, oh, let me see if I can phrase this properly it was it was a good thing right to put it simply um, the 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 fact that IT is no longer just a question of putting power to servers or supplying storage, but is actually enabling the ways that we work, not just internally, but externally, has been made very and abundantly clear due to this pandemic. It's, it's fascinating. I mean, I've heard similar stories running out, uh, you know, these podcasts in general, similar sort of stories. Um, talk to me a little bit more about so you had a culture, you know, your global organization, but now everyone has been, you know, essentially forced to work rem- work remotely. It's no longer an option. Tell me, you know, specifically how Novazyme is now thinking about remote work and, and more, more generally what the, your views are on what does that mean for the digital workplace in the future? Do you think we'll ever go back to normal or do you think we're going to define what a new normal is? I, I think there are... Probably three parts to that answer. The first one is I don't think we'll go back to normal for a long time, if ever. And I say that because I I see, like everyone else, and this is not something to do with enterprise architecture, but I see in the news and I see from from our leadership and, and different things that the way we have to go back has to be controlled. So just having that controlled means that we can no longer sit as many people together in an office as we did before. We can no longer uh, sit as close together. We can't work in the same meeting rooms. So we'd have to have physical infrastructure, as it were, change tremendously in order to have the same ways of working that we had previously. So that alone is something that every every corporation has to take into consideration how how do we get people um how do we get people to get to work how how do people get to work if they can't be on the same bus right 
that that small thing alone forces a company to think, well, maybe we have to work in shifts now, even in an office space. So so there are external forces that that play into that. Uh, the second part is I also believe, and I've I've heard this from a variety of different people, both internally. Um, leadership in Novozymes, but also other companies, uh, that they're seeing this remote method of working um, being very effective. It's surprisingly how well people operate on a remote level. Um, Not, I mean, both the digital tools that are made available through IT, but also the tools that you can develop to compensate for some of those needs that you had earlier will, will allow you to have a greater level of flexibility going forward. And seeing that means that as an IT department, as an enterprise architect, you are, or I am now, given a very nice opportunity to present my case for specific efforts or initiatives where I can say, if we do this, then we will improve X, Y, Z, and you've already seen the value of that. So, do you? Uh, so, we talked a little bit before about you know this is a a forced disruption. So, uh, maybe not specifically in Novozymes' case, but just in general in enterprise, it seems what's happened is uh, this. People may have been skeptic about remote work. Can it work? Does it work? It's not really my thing because I've never done it this way before. But now we've been all forced to do this for the last couple of months. And we've been, we've been forced to realize it can and does work. And so this disruption, it seems, what you're saying is this is going to maybe forever change. Uh, the, the workplace that was there in 2018 may never exist again in the way we knew it. Would you say that's... Yeah. No, I think, I think that's absolutely true. I, uh, on, on a very personal level, I believe that... It, like you said, we were disrupted. We were all disrupted globally um, by an outside force. And I, uh, as you see in in every disrupting or every disrupted uh, business or, or line of business or, or what have you, the the companies that come out on top of that disruption is either the one doing the disruption or the ones who are able to adapt. And since no company was doing this disruption and every company is now in a position where they have to respond to that, I think that companies that are able to use this disruption to their benefit will be highly successful going forward. And I think a a part of that uh, probably, I don't know how large a part, but a part of that is going to be how will we define our workplace going forward? What will our routines be? What will our ways of working be? How can we not just make a, a specific tool available, but like I mentioned before, how do we get people to work? How do we serve lunch? How do we make a production line at a, let's say, a car factory where people can't stand next to each other within six feet? How do you get them to work on the same item, as it were? Right. I think there's going to be changes all over, but the companies who embrace that and say, well, let's not look to get back to normal, but let's look to move forward in a new disrupted world will benefit greatly from that. And presumably as well, there's going to be brand new digital collaboration technologies that we haven't even dreamt of yet that are going to be invented to 
you know, improve on the, you know, our current experience of, you know, Zoom meetings and WebEx meetings and Slack channels. Presumably, we're going to continue the evolution of that technology. Yeah. Cool, cool stuff that's yet to be invented. Oh, definitely. I, I mean, obviously, like you said, we can't know what it is, but I, I, I was considering this uh, when we talked about this podcast earlier, and I think one of the interesting things that we've seen in other spaces is uh, within other industries that require communication, um, we've seen things in computer gaming, for instance. You've seen there used—I don't even know if it still exists—but there used to be a game called Second Life, yeah. which which basically was a digital existence. You would create an avatar and you could walk around and you could talk to people and you could, I don't know what you could do. You could own stuff. You could do stuff. But but you had a way where people could socialize online and you have that today. Um, with, I mean, in corporation, in, in corporate culture, we have Zoom, we have Microsoft Teams, we have those things. In gaming, you have something like Discord, which is basically the same, but it gives other options like creating open channels where people can join um, without necessarily being invited, or maybe they have to be invited, but you can have it open, semi-open, you can have them so instead of me having to call you, I can create an area. Uh, I could, for instance, create an area called enterprise architecture. And that could be like the area within which I could create then rooms and we could have rooms where we could discuss one thing or another thing. So rather than having an, a current digital communication, which is maybe either writing an email or posting on a support forum for something or Googling something. Well, maybe I can look. Oh, look, Will is online and he's hanging out in the room wherein I know we can chat. So I'll just pop by and talk to him directly. Uh, yeah, as you're talking there, I'm imagining all the things that we are used to in an office environment of, you know, I bump into Klaus in the coffee shop, coffee room and, or in the kitchen and I asked him, you know, have you thought about this or what are you working on? Or maybe I've got a couple of people in a room with a whiteboard and you walk by and I say, hey, class, can you stop in for a second? Have a look at this. Or maybe I'm just walking the halls and I dug my head over the cube and say, how's it going? Like all those experiences, all those moments, they're not going to if, if if what we forecast is going to happen, won't won't happen like that again. So what you're saying is, how can we recreate that? Because they're important social constructs, the idea of bumping bumping into you in the kitchen, for example. How do we recreate that, that, I guess, the spontaneity of working in a, uh, a physical environment together? But how do we recreate that digitally? I, I, I don't know, but... Yeah, I think- I can, uh, when you mentioned that, I was actually just reminded a very specific example. We did this within our enterprise architecture team. Uh, at one point, we decided that we, we were missing the social aspect. And we basically booked lunch meetings so we decided that for specific days, you know, we would have lunch together with the camera on and we would make food or, or make our lunches and we'll sit there and eat in front of the camera and just talk the way you would talk if you went to have lunch with a coworker or like you said, met over a, a, a coffee machine somewhere. Yeah. And and it was enough uh, yeah. for for the purpose. I mean, obviously, still there's there's a human connection that we're still missing. There's there's an intimacy. Uh, there's there's difficulty in in facial expressions or body language that you're missing. But it 
it's not that we don't have it and we don't have the tools to do it. What we need is the disruption first and then the imagination to make the best of it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, as I think about it, I think about, you know, I come from a large family with many nieces and nephews and a lot of them much younger than I am. Um, this new generation, they're well used to this way of interacting. I mean, they're interacting on video games over the over the headset and talking to each other and FaceTiming all the time. It's second nature to them. They're not going out to the shopping mall or hanging out on the high street downtown, not not the way we were when we were young sort of no. thing. So this new generation is probably ready to embrace this this way of living. So, Klaus, we've talked about how we had this forced disruption on us as employees, as workers, as people who have to, you know, do work and interact with colleagues in the workplace, and we're now doing that digitally. Let me ask your views on, as consumers, presumably we've also faced a similar disruption. Are we going to see uh, a, a new normal there for, I don't know, retail shops, for example, or banks, or, or are the, the idea of a physical location for many of these consumer experiences going to disappear as well, do you think? Um, I, I, I think that everything is going to move towards a new normal. Uh, I think this is, if not a, a turning point, then at least uh, a sharp bend in the road for, for all human interactions. Um, but uh, I think this. I, I think I can uh, revert to my earlier answer and say I think it's a question of how you respond to the disruption. Because uh, when I go out um, to the grocery store or to the baker or I'm going to the hairdresser on you know, Thursday, actually, because they just reopened here in Denmark. What I see in all of those locations as a consumer are ways to act in a new society. Um, so I think what will happen uh, currently, for instance, if I go to the local bakery, there's a line outside because there's suddenly only room for three instead of 20 people inside. So the physical limitations have changed. Uh, and again, it comes down to to imagination, but maybe in the future, I have to plan my grocery shopping, not with my wife, but with the grocery store. Maybe I have to go into an app and say, well, I'd like to shop at this particular point in time. Can I expect to to have people there or will they even let me in? Similar to things you already see on Google. If you Google a company today or a, a retail store today, you will see at what hours are they normally busy. And, and you'll see those things in the future, uh, different physical uh, creations. They've put up, you know, plastic sheets everywhere so the people working the cash registers are safe. But I don't think we'll see the death of retail. I think we'll right. see the change or the creation of a new retail. We'll see the death of those that don't understand they have to live in a new world. But those that, you know, things like plan those uh, customer interactions better will be able to do it. Granted, there are different businesses right now that I think we will never see the likes of again. I think the airline industry is in for a world of hurt. And although planes will not go away, I think the airline industry is going to be a very different beast in, in the years to come. And I, I'm i very concerned for the people I know within that industry, let me put it that way. But so other than specific industries, I think as a consumer, we're going to see new things. 
but we're not going to stop shopping. We're not going to buy everything online. We're not going to stop seeing our friends, but we'll see them in, in different settings or in different ways. Yeah. Well, in general, the theme I've heard continually in these podcasts is this is this this event has been an accelerant or a catalyst or a forcing function. Today, we've used the word a disruption, uh, uh, you know, um, whatever word you want to use. This has actually accelerated many things that were afoot already that were sort of underway. But this has just forced them to happen quicker than everyone expected. Hmm. Well, Klaus, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Um, I hope you stay very safe. And now I'm adding very sane as well as we spend lots of time. <laughs> and it's lovely to meet people, uh, you know, like this across the world. It's now becoming second nature. We don't think anything of it just to have one of these a transatlantic uh, call like this. It's uh, it's just normal course of business for us now to have this uh, interaction. So once mm. again, Klaus, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Klaus, and in particular his views on what the new normal might look like for us all in the workplace and on the high street. For more podcasts, blogs, and recorded webinars, please visit us at www.bizdesign.com, where there's a wealth of information available. And if you'd like to tell your EA story and feature on this podcast, then please email me, willscott, at podcast at bizdesign.com. BizDesign is a leader in the area of enterprise architecture software and services and supports enterprise architecture teams in delivering value to their organizations with a key focus on the value outcomes of aligning to business strategy, optimizing operations, and reducing risk. Thank you for your time.